Jamal Thomas here, and welcome to the Black on Black Education podcast. This is episode number 13. Uh, today, you'll hear a conversation with Mr. Joseph Roberts um, on Instagram. That's Joseph Roberts HQ right there. He communicates to teachers, to parents, to students about a love for learning. He's out here inspiring teachers um, so that they can do the best job that they can in building young minds. And that's what the Black on Black Education podcast is all about. Really love talking to him today. We went into what got him into teaching. Uh, we talked about the fact that he is an alternative school teacher, and that's not the the bad kids. We we talked about social and emotional learning and how important that is to uh, education nowadays. We went into some of the things that are working and not working in terms of transforming education and how his district is doing a really good job. They're actually the second best district in all of Alabama. So um, uh, the one disclaimer I'll give you is that the podcast is going to start during our kind of pre-call um, and we'll kind of move into the regular conversation. I think some things happen in the pre-call that uh, are important for folks to hear. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And uh, with no further ado, let's go. You just got to continue to have an, an incredible amount of respect for people who decide to, you know, to, to go into to teaching despite um, the fact that you know, I, I, obviously people respect teachers, but but not the way, um, you know, people respect investment bankers or, or something. And, and in my mind, you know, teachers job is more important. So, um, you know, I, you I, are I, so right. So it's it's I, I believe like how the heck do, do we get teachers to, to get paid like investment bankers if the, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and maybe not every teacher because every teacher doesn't deserve it but if you know if you got somebody who if there some method by which um people particularly people who go in and, and teach um in in high-risk areas and and with you know mm-hmm. underperformance schools and they and then they can show you know quantitatively and qualitatively that they are able to go about the business of changing outcomes, more graduation, more passing, you know, whatever it is, if, you know, we, we decide not just testing, but, you know, getting people to love learning, um, then yeah, that person should be able to make, you know, sky's the limit. Cause you're, you know, you're, you're, you're keeping people out of jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're paid to keep hey, people out of jail. Even more than that, you are, you are saving, you are um, thwarting a future murder. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If that child had been reached in third, fourth grade, they may not have gone down the path that by the time they were 19, end up murdering, you know, your child on the street on the other side of the country somewhere. And so that could have been thwarted by some teacher or by a series of teachers throughout that child's life. So, you know, it's not just, you know, some of the smaller things, but, you know, by then, you you know, you're like, what what made him do that? What, you know, look, that might have been able to be um, uh, avoided if, I could have stayed in education rather than having to leave education <laughs> and go right. somewhere else so I could pay my bills. Right. And it's, it's, I mean, I say to people all the time, I, you know, and look, could I be wrong? Possibly. I think that I could be an incredible teacher. I, I do pretty well with mm-hmm. classes and, 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 and with uh, my younger cousins and things to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, out of high school, I started making, 
Um, well, not right out of high school, but when I was 19, 20, I started making 80 grand. Then I made 100, Ooh. you know, 150 and 175. And then it was just like, wow, <laughs> I'm making all of this money. Um, it's, 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 and again, what I was doing was not more valuable than teaching. And I didn't enjoy sure. it as much as I probably would have enjoyed teaching. But, sure, um, you know, living in New York, you, you, you know. <laughs> I you got to make that kind of money. I you got to. do it. You know, it's just, yeah, our values um, (laughs) are not not always there. All right. Um, Yeah, man, but it's so funny you bring that up because, you know, one of the questions that you posed, um, you know, you were saying, like, what do I like about teaching and what I don't like about teaching? So just and, uh, say, say I'm I'm re- I'm recording already. I, I, like, okay. let me know if you're ready to start. If you want, or, or if you're trying to just tell me that pre-start. I was just saying pre, but I probably I probably share it again. But yeah, but I was just it, it was just right along the lines with what you're saying, and I was talking about um, that look that um, the look that people give you when you say you're a teacher. Right. What? what oh man. It's 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 a. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> like they feel sorry for you almost. Bruh, bruh, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's degrading. It's um, when, when I know I'm just as intelligent as you are, when I know that I might be able to kill your job way better than you killing your job if I had that job, but I chose something different. And so you look at me like, oh, okay, you know, well, that's, that's good you want to give back. You know, they give me that whole trash, you know, and I have to just sit there and go, yeah, yeah, it is, you know. So that right there kills you, man. That is the way that it's, it's, um, I understand why people look at it that way, because it's, it, while it's, it's clearly, you know, to me, it's like the the most important thing, you know, like, for society to create less dummies, for lack of a better term, you don't want to create you know, silly citizens. Silly citizens um, lead to, uh, it leads to, if, whether it's crime or or people just being not not being able to watch the news and and tell that uh, you know something somebody's lying or um, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that when you know on Facebook and stuff like that when um, when when people put something up on Facebook that they clearly have not checked and I can look at and I'm like, that doesn't really sound right to me. Let me go and Google this. Let me go and look and do a little bit of research. And then in five seconds, I'm able to find out that that was complete and utter nonsense. And I've had to say to people I respect, like in their DMs, like, you got, we got to do better. We have to yeah. do better. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, you know what here? Let me let me make sure I got power here. I mean I got power, but once again I wasn't expecting this. I got seventy one percent. We should be good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Unless you got be. a phone that you know seventy one percent. No. <laughs> Mine's good right now. Hey now I need you to tell me because my the picture for mine is so small. I need you to tell me is there anything in the background that would be nope look, distracting or you know, whatever. Um can you unplug that yellow plug? Yeah. But even where you're sitting for for your you know podcast or whatever, like you know you fill that book, book you know book, fill the um the bookshelf up with books or something like that. Like you got a good spot right there. 
I know. It's not, this is this is this is my this is at work. That's what I mean, though. If 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 this is where you want to shoot, you know, your podcast, which you know, as a teacher, well, why not? You know, it, yeah, as as you're, you're, right. With it. you're right. I didn't mean you had to do it now, but I get you. I'm with you. I was thinking about it while we were talking in general, so. I got you. I got you. So let's kick this thing off. Sounds good. So I am here with Mr. Joseph Roberts. Um, we spoke for the very first time um, maybe about a week ago this time. And uh, I've been following this page on Instagram. That's Joseph Roberts HQ. And um, I wanted to sit down and talk to him. I think that he has a, a number of things that uh, teachers need to hear, that, that parents should hear as well. Um, you know, he's out here trying to create um, happy teachers, um, you know, and, and happy teachers that can create uh, happy students. So um, mm. welcome to the podcast, Mr. Roberts. Appreciate it, man. Glad, glad to be here. I appreciate uh, the concept that you guys are, are, are concerned about education. And not necessarily being an educator, you know, I love the fact that you are still invested in it. You know, sometimes I think educators are looked at for being at being selfish if they want to promote their own career. Mm. Um, but you just recognizing its importance and, you know, implementing as best you can in your own family. And uh, and then now going out to, to do a, a podcast like this, like I told you when we first talked, I, I hope everybody hears this, you know, and, and begins to at least start some really good conversations around how can we make our education better? And, uh, how can we better educate the young people that we've been blessed with? So, right. well, glad to be part. What I know about you, I, I, I know that um, this is going to be something people should listen to. So um, why don't we start with, um, why did you decide to become a teacher? <sighs> um, I, I had a, a, a tough background. Um, I was put in a, a blessed to be in a positive environment uh, for the majority of my elementary years. I was raised on, on or within a mile of a college campus, um, uh, matter of fact, an HBCU. And so that was great for me. But in my home, um, things were a little bit different. Um, neither one of my parents had graduated college. Um, and my father, through the course of time, um, got a nasty drug habit. And his first drug of choice was when he was in Vietnam and they introduced him to marijuana, weed, and he started smoking that. And, um, and praise the Lord, he was a Christian. And so that, that came into play and helped him sort of try to work his way through it, you know, try to, uh, but he didn't, he didn't go all in with it. And as a result of that, he, uh, it, it, it progressed further until he was all the way at crack. And so I was probably like maybe 12 or 13 when I realized, you know, my father was a crackhead. You know, you're at school and you joke around with your friends and they say, ah, shut up, you crackhead. My father actually was. Um, now, I guess my father was typical because he, um, he kept, a, he maintained a job the entire time. Um, some job, they, were, they weren't great jobs, but he, he was able to maintain a job. And so that sort of distinguished him a little bit. Um, but so, of course, my household, 
Um, neither one of them had, you know, higher than a um, high school education. So there wasn't much money coming in. And then the money that was coming in, um, you know, my father was spending portions of it on, on his habit. And so, so there were challenges that all of that presented. Um, it, it, number one, it, it gave me anxiety. It made me concerned because I was always trying to hide from everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and so at school, everywhere, everywhere I was, I was trying to hide the fact of what was going on in my home. Yeah. We didn't have enough money, so we were always broke and poor. My mom had to patch up my clothes. I don't, I don't know. They don't do that nowadays. But back in the day, you got holes in your clothes. Your mom would get, get, get another piece of cloth and put it over the hole and sew it on there or iron it down and say, where do you some more? Right. So I had patches and all my stuff. And um, I remember to this day, we lived in an apartment complex, and the rent was $133 a month at the apartment complex. And sometimes we couldn't make rent. And uh, the walls uh, were, were hollow. You could knock on the walls and ask your neighbor if you, for some sugar if you ran out. Mm. Uh, you could always hear them arguing. Um, <laughs> I remember one time when I got sick and my wall was right next to the master bedroom in the, in the neighbor's um, apartment. And I was coughing and just hacking. You know how it is that all night you're just laying in the bed just coughing and hacking. About two in the morning, she got up and came next door and knocked on her door and offered my parents some cough syrup mm. because the walls were so thin, I had kept her up all night with my coughing. Right. So, you know, that's the situation I grew up in. Um, mom and dad always fighting, you know, physical interactions, uh, fights. And, uh, and so all of that, it was like the place that I had the most fun, <laughs> the place that was a safe haven for me was at school. And the people that were in charge of that were the teachers, you know, the teachers that, that really brought you in, that cared for you, that watched out for you. And as I grew older, some of the things that were said to me um, in classes and in, as I went along, I recognized that they knew what was going on. They had heard through the community. or they, And so they would say things to me and check on me in ways that I didn't recognize at the time. You're saying but like now other community members or who, who are you referencing? Mm-hmm. In other words, um, somehow through the grapevine, they, the teachers found out what was going on in my home. Does that make sense? So, and so now that I look back on it, I thought certain statements or certain questions from teachers checking on me were weird. Not that they were inappropriate. They were just like, that's strange, you know? Right. And now I recognize they, they had heard what was going on and were trying to like do the best they could to check on me and make sure everything was good. That whole influence, man, and the way I felt when I came to school, just influenced me in a way that I said, man, I, I would love to do that for people. But I was pushed away from it because it wasn't, there's no money teaching to what I was told. And they were like, you're, you know, you're so smart and you know, you, 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 you'll do well, try something else. And uh, so I was pushed away from it. But, but um, I, eventually I came back around to my true love. What I wanted to do was giving back. And, uh, and so I was able to. And, um, and I haven't turned back since. I, I, was, I started college um, in engineering. And then I got to like my sophomore year and thought about me sitting there in a cubicle doing the work. I could do the work. But when I thought about just sitting there doing the work, it did not sound enjoyable. I was like, I could just picture myself miserable there at an engineering firm somewhere. And it was right after my sophomore year, I switched. When I switched, I shot to the top of all of my classes. Like everybody in the education department knew my name. It was like, it was just a perfect fit like. You know, I wasn't even trying, but it was just all of a sudden, it was just like, you know, everybody knew my name and, and I was just killing all my classes. And I was like, this is where I belong, you know? And uh, so 
that's like a, uh, a long story of it, but that's where <laughs> well, it came from. That's where the passion it's a, it's a, it's actually a really good one. And it, you know, it, it makes me think um, about all the kids out there that, you know, grow up in the way that you do um, that don't necessarily have teachers who check in, in on them or mm -hmm. where the infrastructure within the school that they go to um, is not there to, you know, to, so, so that they don't just fall through the cracks, you know, in an mm -hmm. alternative universe um, at a different school where nobody checks in on you, you know, who knows what the eventuality uh, become so yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's a phenomenal story um, in that it makes us think about all of the people who who are not as blessed um, you know as as you were to be able to to have this challenge but then have somebody help you meet the challenge yeah absolutely absolutely man so um, I, I you you almost answered you know the uh, the something that I you know thought about asking next um, in terms of you know how rewarding. Te te teaching is because it, it sounds to me as if you know you, you you grew up somebody did something for you and then you wanted to do that for other people yeah 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 I um I had a fifth grade teacher um that that really sort of encapsulated what I wanted I think that was the moment when I was really clear that I, I saw in him all of the pieces that I thought were missing from some of the other teachers and mm -hmm. I had excellent teachers um but that was um, one of my first male teachers. And he did something that I, I just, I don't know, I just never forgot. And he would, when it was recess time, rather than get a chair and sit down and put the chair out there and watch us, he would come and play with us. Kickball, I mean, he's talking junk, he's beating us. I mean, he's like, you know, interacting with us, you know, um, spending time with us, making it hard on us, you know. Um, and that, like, I was like, that is it. I was like, by the time we all going back into the classroom, laughing and high-fiving each other and talking, including the teacher, what do you think it was like that afternoon when he asked you to, to finish your math assignment? When he asked, completely different scenario. <laughs> because, you know, you saw him in a different light. You know, we laughed together, we played together, we interact together. And now you see that, oh, he's just a human. He also wants to help me with my math and with my spelling, but he's just like the rest of it. He's not some tyrant that hates me and wants to punish me <laughs> with work all day long. Right. And I think that was the moment when I, when I really sort of decided this is something I think I would like to do and that I see the best way I feel like it can be done, which is um, you know, making sure that I, I spend time with the kids on things that they enjoy. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, playing a game outside, um, but basically interacting on a level that with things that they enjoy and showing them that I'm human too, you know, and that we all have to get this work done, right. but I care about you as a person and I'm invested in things you're invested in. So. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's, that, that's key. Um, and it seems, you know, like you, you've, you've taken that cause you know, you're, you're out here building young minds. What grades do you teach? Um, middle school at this point. Mm -hmm. Subject. Uh, math. Math. So, and. Well, well, let me, let me take a hiatus. Okay. I taught math for 15 years. I taught at different levels. Taught like fifth through eight. Then I taught um, high school in Bermuda, uh, on the island of Bermuda. That was that was nice. And then I came back and taught high school for another I don't know decade or so. And then I taught middle school. Well, just recently, like a year or so, I'm still in the classroom, but I'm I've changed roles because I wanted to work with those kids who needed it the most. And the opportunity came up here in the building for um, our alternative school teacher. So in other words, when kids get in trouble long term, um, 
this is where they go. They're sort of isolated from everyone else. But of course, the people who get in trouble like that usually are the ones who have the worst things going on at home and have the toughest situations. And I wanted to be the one to be there when they came to somebody who could you know, use that time to guide them and mold them and direct them and give them strategies to get them back in the classroom and set them up on a positive um, road. So I've been doing that for the last year, I guess a year and a half now. Um, but I taught math for secondary all the time up until now. Got it. Yeah, I remember, you know, the alternative school, you know, where, where I came from was the bad kids. Right, 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 right. And, you know, it's obviously in hindsight, you know, you, you don't want to label people as mm -hmm. bad kids. Like, that's a whole, you know, problem in, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it was just the students, you know what I mean, that felt that way. Oftentimes, it seemed as if that was the way that the teachers looked at these kids. Um, that's right. Which, you know, which... It makes you wonder, you know, how in the world do you, are, are you going to be able to teach and, and, and support somebody if this is what you believe about them? So, mm -hmm. so it's interesting <laughs> that, that you made the determination that you were going to go um, and, and, and help this particular population. Um, mm -hmm. It makes me think a little bit about, uh, I often think about, you know, like mental health in schools and, and uh -huh. to that effect. And, you know, if, if people are not getting you know, proper support at home. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's 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 kind of twofold. It's it's one, who who becomes responsible for these kids? You know, like it's it's if if you have parents um, that they just can't do it. You know, they mm -hmm. it's alcohol. You know, for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they, you know, they 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 were not taught how to be parents, and now these kids come to school. Um, who becomes responsible for you mm -hmm. know? outcomes associated with the with these kids um and then once that question is answered uh what's the how or, or the support from a district um you know in terms of whatever the tools and resources that are required um do you see that as like is your district doing a good job around that? Do you feel like, you know, other districts, when you talk to other teachers, do you, do you feel like um, there's a lack of, 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 of that? And, and then the last part before I let you um, answer um, is, if not, what are, the, what are the answers? And I know there's no magic bullet, but, you know, if you got to wave a magic wand to, to come up with, you know, what, what the solutions are for, for various different districts that are going through said challenges, um, what is it that we should do? Mm -hmm. Great, great questions. Um, for the first part, um, as far as uh, like mental health is concerned, uh, I, I, there, there definitely needs to be some support as far as that's concerned. But a lot of these mental health issues come from the environments that are in the home. Mm -hmm. Okay, so some of that, they're exasperated by that. Let me say that. they don't come from that, but they're exasperated by the situations that are at home. So for me, there's no easy answer for any of the questions that you asked. But for that first section, I think it starts with SEL, which is social emotional learning. I think that's where it starts. And I have just, yes, yeah, social emotional learning. It's kind of like um, the first few stages of teaching someone how to interact with other people in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. um, what you find from uh, kids who, who do not have high social emotional learning or who have not been um, trained. Now, most of it isn't trained. Usually you pick up whatever your parents do. So if your parents are interacting with people in a positive way, you pick that up. 
if your parents are interacting with people in a way that is aggressive, it is um, harsh, it is, then that's what you do. So, but the problem is when you come to school and talk to everybody like, what you looking at? Give me that pencil. Like when, that, when all of your interactions are like that, of course that starts things. When that starts thing that causes trouble, distracts you, distracts the class, and it sends you down a path of getting in trouble and getting suspended, which sometimes ends up in alternative school. And then, of course, then that, at the higher level, that lends to who knows where. So just teaching kids that there is a better way to interact with each other cuts out 90% of your issues that you have because just they started it not on purpose. They thought that how they were communicating to another child was fine. Right. That's how they they get communicated to. Why would I think that I should communicate in any other way? And then when they do it and then they get a reaction back like that, well, then I'm not going to take that. And so they were starting it accidentally, all of them. And so imagine if you get 10, 15 of those people in a room, you can't even ask for a pencil without uh, almost fight breaking out. You can't answer a question without uh, wrong, without people. So just starting even as young as you can to begin to show people that there is a different way to interact and there's a different way to come at people is what I say to them. You know, that's a, a term kind of like a little bit more useful to them. Say, like, hey, watch how you come at people. And I say, if I as an adult came at you and then I give them an example and then they go, they look like, I'd be offended. Like, you can't do it. You can't talk to me like that. I say, exactly. I said, that's just how you approach them. So just little things like that begin that process. Um, I just heard a, a series of documentaries from um, NPR. They're doing this story. And I, I haven't finished the research yet because I heard it in the car and I wrote it in my phone. I don't even know how to spell it. But there's a school, I think it's called the Olean School. And all I know is it's somewhere out west. And I have to finish doing the research myself. But from the story that I heard thus far, they've been following this story. And it was a school where they spent, listen to me, $21 million on the school and its services and its facilities because somebody believed, they said, you know, we're going to try to make this an example and see if we cannot solve all of the issues, right, that come along with a school, um, especially in a low-income neighborhood. So that was one of their purposes. So wait, now, the, the, the $21 million was focused specifically on the, what, what we're talking about from a, from a behavior, or was here's $21 million, let's try to fix the school, you know, quote-unquote? Everything. So in other words, the facilities, they, they made sure they gave them top-notch facilities. They made sure they gave them, you know, enough room. They made sure the classroom size was right. They made sure they got any and everything. It was kind of like a per, a, an amazing wish list of a school. And then... They went into the social services side. They made sure they had uh, uh, offices available and more nurses than you need and more counselors than you need. They made sure they provided food for people who weren't getting enough food to take home and to, I mean, they just went overboard with all of the resources they could possibly think of that might be needed in a, in a low-income um, community. They gave them just every possible, like I said, 21 million, not four or five million. My fingers are crossed. I'm, I'm like, like I, I'm sitting here, like, I want to know whether it worked or it didn't work because I feel like it's about to be. <laughs> Go ahead. I know. And so NPR is following this story and coming back and checking on them and checking on them. And I, I heard maybe, I don't know if it was the third or fourth, you know, segment of it. Come to find out they spent $21 million and they barely moved the graduation. So, <laughs> what they are now surmising, okay, is that in order to affect, the, and, and there were two things they were hoping they, that would happen. They were hoping that not only would, you know, they'd be able to take care of all the needs of the kids, 
which they didn't, more needs came up. Some of the kids needed a place to sleep. So then that became a new issue they hadn't even considered in the 21 million. So, but they still, you know, they have everybody there. So they got on the phones and they made connections. Cause I mean, this school was just connected because somebody poured into it. So they got that covered too. But the second thing that they were trying to hope to alleviate was they were hoping too that because the school was so dope, you know, the school was just so ridiculous that people would move in and it would change the community. It would not, now it would move up to maybe lower middle class because people wanted to move their, their families in there so that they could be able to be a part of the system. And that didn't happen either. They were hoping that would happen organically. Um, that didn't happen either. So now they're thinking the only way to affect the type of permanent change that we want to is that we're gonna have to go into the homes. Yeah, we're gonna have to go into the community itself. Or, or, or what, well, yes, into the community itself. But, right, right. And, and, something that I think about, and, and you know, I share this all the time. This is all theory with me. You know, like, I'm mm -hmm. not a teacher, I'm not doing it, but it, it seems to make sense. Why is the school not open from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m., and then the school becomes the community center, so that we, we spend this money already. That 21 million, if you spend that money, but then the building closes at four o'clock, that means that the rest of the community, which needs to be a part of this, you know, if, mm -hmm. if things work, Parents, you know, need, need to understand things if, if things are going to work. Um, why is that not open and available to them, the, the healthy eating, the various different things to that effect? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. some, some type of communal, uh, uh, you know, atmosphere. So, that to, you know, leave the building open till 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock mm -hmm. at night, money that we're already spending. Yeah, granted, you'll have to spend more, but it's not, sure. it's not you know, exponentially more because the right, 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 abilities right. are... You, you have know, the resources. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because I've only heard that snippet and I haven't gone back and heard the first and second and third series, that may have been covered in there. That may be something they're already implementing. You know, I, I, I need to go back and do that. But it has me very intrigued, very intrigued because, um, you know, I teach. But then after I teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go to a low income community um, in, in the town where um, I live and, and, and I help out with an after school program. Um, a, a former, that, where you live. Sorry, just throw that, oh. throw that in there. I was born, mostly raised uh, here in, in Huntsville, Alabama. I teach in Madison, Alabama, which is kind of like a suburb of, of, of Huntsville, Alabama. Got it. And can you, can and, you, uh, you know, what, what's the demographic of your school? Of my particular school, the demographic, I was just looking at that this morning. Our, our grades came back, our state grades came back, and I was just looking at the numbers. Um, our demographic is 64% white, and then the rest is mixed. I think we, it was about 20, 24% uh, black, and then there was some Asian and some Indian as well to make up the other, but that my particular school is is that. Um, so my, 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 the, the city and the district that I teach in, is you know is considered affluent it's a lot of um, um engineers kids because this is an engineering town we have um space campus here i think it's the only location now in the country now um that that has space camps if you want to come to space camp that's here like that's the kind of town this is big time engineering town and so this particular go ahead i was just going to say now that you are teaching in the alternative um you know school how, how does how does the does the demographic shift or 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 is it about the same in in the group of, of students that you now are, are working with? Uh, uh, 
for the most part, it, it shifted some. And what's interesting is my role, I sort of have a dual role. Um, we have what we call a learning academy, which is where I provide a small group environment for those who are struggling in the classroom, usually with behavior. And so they aren't put in a school, like they haven't been caught vaping. They haven't been caught, you know, drinking. They just have been getting in trouble over and over and over again. So we are providing a small group environment so I can give them strategies so that they can then be transitioned back into the classroom. And that's sort of a time thing based on how they're doing and how they're taking through what I've given. So I have that role and I have the role for the alternative school when you, yes, you were caught with a beer at school, you were caught vaping and you have this many days and so on and so forth. So I kind of have a dual role um, between the two. Um, yeah, it's, it, it shifts some, it shifts some. Uh, but not as drastically as you would think it should. It, it, it's 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 still reasonably close to our general demographic. Got it. Got it. That's that's interesting, and I, and I like to hear that because you know oftentimes, or or you know what I've heard in the past is that it's 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 uh, you know black kids, um, Latino Absolutely. kids that that disproportionately get moved into you know the, these programs, um, and so it, I, I love to hear that you know that that it, that's not. Uh, Asking about my particular school system is, uh, it, it's an anomaly. It's a rare, it's a rare occurrence. I mean, in the entire state, we, we, we're second in the entire state. You see what I'm saying? Second as far as, team. as far as producing education, as far as being ranked as a school, as far as like, you know, so they say this is the second best district in the entire state to be in. Um, now that's Alabama. So that doesn't mean that <laughs> there's still that to consider. But still, this is an anomaly. You know what I'm saying? This this little spot where I am here has got a, it's a, I mean, great is not even the word. You know, it's a really good system. Um, and that's why I, even after school is over, I went, I go and find something else because that's still not necessarily serving the demographic that I hope to serve. And so I then after school go uh, to an after school program that's right in the heart of a housing project. Okay. And there's a library right there in the heart. And we go there uh, twice a week. We're hoping to ramp it up at some point. We'll go there twice a week and um, provide tutoring, provide, you know, all the things that we want to and, 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 and need. And so in that environment. I just, my, my phone, I got to uh, try to charge it. But I, Not a problem. My computer. I thought I had no, use, but keep going. And so um, that's why that information about that school with the 21 million is important to me right now because I'm trying to figure out, you know, what we can do for the young people that we're working with. And what can we do to increase and make sure that their success is more viable? And so, you know, from that example, it looks like throwing money at it is not the only answer. I'm sure uh, more finances is definitely uh, gonna help, but throwing money at it only is not the answer. And so we've got to find ways to... Uh, in New Jersey, Mark Zuckerberg, Gave I think it was a hundred million to uh, to the North School System, and um, you know I I, uh, I do want to go through and and really study you know exactly what happened there. Uh, but I've talked to some people who were involved and said you know they they wind up hiring a bunch of consultants and um, and they just didn't get a hundred million dollars worth of progress. So um, you know they're they um, I don't want to say. Um, that you know, money doesn't matter because, of course, you know, money money matters. There's no yeah. no ends or buts about it. Um, but if you throw uh, a lot of money uh, at, at bad strategies, then yeah. you, just, you know, are, are, are 
<laughs> you're putting your money um, in, in, in not yeah, putting some of it in the garbage. So uh, it's good to hear <laughs> right. that, that your school is doing certain things um, that I imagine other places can learn from um, where now if they get the money and they learn from, you know, some of the tools and strategies that you guys are, are, are working with um, that they can create the, the type of educational outcomes that, uh, you know, that we're all looking for. Oh, and I, and I, and I definitely, um, what we're doing and what, what they're doing here in this district is great because we're, we're, we're number two district in the state. The number one district is uh, uh, they have 0% free reduced lunch. Hmm. Not one single child there qualifies for free lunch. So it's completely an affluent um, neighborhood. (laughs) So they're number one in the state. We're number two. We have 18% free and reduced lunch. Right. So we should not be number two. Right. We we should be maybe number 15 or 16 in the state. But so some of the things that we are doing are still putting us up there as if, you know, we are the affluent. Now, once again, I said, you know, the parents that are in this community um, our engineers and, and they're educated and so forth. And that's, that's true. But they, we still have a large group, um, a significant amount. I wouldn't say large, you know, 90% free reduced lunch would be large. And if, if you listen to this, I'm assuming, you know, listen to this podcast, you know what that means, but it's usually mm-hmm. talking about those that are, that are in, uh, under the poverty line and that <coughs> need that extra help. And so it, it, it's an implication about how many students are in poverty in your school. And so, but anyway, so they are doing great things. Um, I'm here, but uh, I, I want to know, and here's my surmising about the, the Olean School, which I don't even know, you know, how to spell it, um, and the $21 million spent. Um, I'm surmising that, you know, you, you've got to go into the homes to affect permanent change in order for there to be long-lasting change in those students' um, lives. I think that we do a lot for them in the classroom and at school that day, but then when they go home, they spend 16 hours there. So they spend eight with us, 16 there, eight with us, 16 there. And then on the weekends, it's 48. Right. So I think I if you don't begin to help them make changes at home, it's very difficult. I heard a stat somewhere and I've looked for it and I haven't been able to, to, to find it. I should have wrote it down or maybe I did and it's in my notes lost somewhere. But <laughs> something to the effect of that school only has, um, it, it school is one third of, um, of, of what, children are able to produce educationally. So what happens in school is about one third and that two thirds is what happens at home and in, and in the, and in the communities. And if you're not addressing that two third, it's like, you know, you can do incredible, you know, with with that one third of of time, uh, but you're going to lose, you know, lots of people to to the, to the two thirds. So you're speaking to um, that, that statistic and, Mm -hmm. So what does that look like, you know, going into the homes? How, 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 does, that, uh, how does that show up? I believe um, that, and see, I don't want to misstate his name either, but there's a principal who, who is doing uh, part of this. I think he's doing an excellent job at this. If you just Google the skateboard principal, um, and, uh, oh, I want to say his name is Hambrick or Hammock, Hammond. It starts with an H, his last name. He, um, ta- he has tattoos. When he gets a, his principal's office, he puts some spray paint along the back of the wall. He wears a hat, skateboards down the hall. You feel what I'm saying? Got on some vans every now and then. Like, but when he comes to that school, he, is, he visits. Yeah. 
All right, so we ran into some technical difficulties on Zoom, couldn't get it figured out, um, but we picked up the conversation um, a few days later, and we are going to release that part of the conversation um, early next week. So please follow Joseph Roberts HQ on Instagram and let us know what questions you have, what comments you have, what you think about what we had to say, what your favorite part was. Um, We are trying to make this podcast one that um, is a part of changing the uh, face of how we talk about education. So if there are better ways that we can do that, we want to hear from you. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, see you uh, in less than a week. Peace.